It's recently come to my attention that there's some confusion surrounding the subject of shadow work, especially how shadow work applies to the law of attraction. For that reason, I'm going to do this episode on shadow work. To begin with, to understand shadow work, we have to understand what the human shadow is. Before you come into this life, your ego, which is just a fancy name for identity, is one. It is unified. It's complete. When you come into this world and you begin to be socialized, you confront the idea of good and bad, right and wrong, acceptable and unacceptable. What you start to notice is that things that are good get you reward and get you love, whereas things that are bad get you punished and get you abandoned. Because of that fact, you split your consciousness from one into two. The ego essentially develops a flip side. So just like there are two sides to a coin, the ego is consciousness and unconsciousness of the singular identity that you call by your name. What we put in the subconscious is in essence everything that we reject about ourselves. It's the unacceptable bits of our being. And the large majority of that is going to be determined by the family that you grew up in, the society you grew up in. We all know that those types of groups disagree. But the minute that you say that something is unwanted or bad, you have reason to suppress it, reason to ignore it, reason to deny it. And this is why it becomes subconscious. You become unaware of it. It's basically a coping skill. (laughs) We could call the subconscious the shadow because we cannot see it clearly and thus are not aware of it, and the conscious the light because we can see it clearly and thus we're aware of it. Separation and division is not a natural state for anything. Integration and wholeness is a natural state for anything. Because of this, your subconscious will continually try and strive to get you to notice it, to pay attention to it, and to integrate it. We see this in our day-to-day life quite easily when we get triggered by a situation. For example, let's say that our partner doesn't arrive on time. Now we fly into a frenzy, start sobbing, and we're flipping out about it for the next hour in what seems to be an extreme overreaction to the circumstance. But what that is, is that the shadow has mirrored itself in reality because it wants to be integrated. It wants you to be aware of it. Shadow work is nothing more than the process of making the unconscious conscious and the unacceptable acceptable. And the integration of unconsciousness leads to complete and total awareness. Even so, shadow work is a controversial subject. Some spiritual teachers, life coaches, and psychologists love shadow work, while others think that it's not a good thing at all. Even channels and spiritual guides disagree on the idea of shadow work. The top arguments against shadow work go a little something like this. If you focus on shadows, all you'll get is more shadows. Or, if you focus on things that you have to clear out of your subconscious, 
all you will find is more things that you have to clear from your subconscious. Those types of opinions are based on a very limited understanding of consciousness, resistance, and the law of attraction. If it were true that pure positive focus created a pure positive person and a pure positive vibration, then it would stand true that somebody who's focusing on something positive at that moment would have a purely clear and positive vibrational auric field. Their energy would be purely positive. But that's not what we see. What we see is that somebody who's purely positively focusing, like on a puppy, still has aura rips, aura tears, and imprints in their emotional body especially. Which means that just because you're positively focusing on one thing one day, or even if you're positively focusing most of the time, it doesn't take care of your subconscious imprinting, which is still in place regardless of how much positive focus you maintain. When we experience something traumatic on an emotional level, it works the same way as it does with physical trauma. To use an aggressive example, if you're involved in a head-on collision and you end up with a compound fracture, for the average person who does not bend the laws of time-space reality, no amount of pure positive focus is going to put the bone back together again. And if you begin to focus positively, chances are that that positive focus will simply lead you directly to a doctor who can put the bone back together again. And it's not a comfortable process. It's a process that demands that we admit that the bone is broken, put it back in place, put a cast on it, and focus deliberately on creating the healing state of that particular ailment. If we get a compound fracture and we attempt to distract ourselves from the fracture by thinking positive thoughts, we are now in a mental and emotional tug-of-war between the aspect that has awareness that this is a serious issue that needs conscious attention, and the aspect that doesn't want to admit to the reality that this is a serious issue that needs conscious attention. Why would we be focusing positively in the scenario where we have a compound fracture? To avoid the compound fracture. There is an enormous difference between focusing on something positive for the sake of focusing positive and focusing on something positive for the sake of trying to escape from, ignore, or get away from something negative. What's the result if we try to escape from, ignore, or get away from our compound fracture? It festers. We become incapacitated if we survive at all. In short, when we try to avoid something, the thing we are trying to avoid gets worse. And things we are trying to avoid are the premium content of the human shadow. This is the exact same scenario that we face on an emotional level. If you have suffered an emotional trauma and you try to ignore, deny, or suppress that particular trauma and the feelings that that trauma gives rise to, then all that happens is it festers. And chances are, if you focus positively about something that you're trying to emotionally suppress, you're just going to be led to somebody who is capable of helping you to integrate that particular shadow. <laughs> when we are resistant to the idea of shadow work, we are trying to avoid something. When you realize that you're using positive focus to avoid something that feels negative to you, it's time to release resistance to whatever you're trying to avoid. To release resistance to something, you have to turn in the direction of it instead of away from it. Because turning away from it is done from a space of resistance to it. When I say, don't think about lemons, you've thought about lemons. This is exactly what we're doing on a subconscious level when we're trying to use positive focus to avoid thinking about something that we don't want to think about. It's like saying, don't admit to how you feel. Don't admit to how you feel. Don't think about how you feel. Don't think about how you feel. All you're going to do is keep feeding how you feel, and it's going to magnify and magnify 
to the degree where it manifests in such an aggressive way that you have no option except for to face it. We are already in resistance to our shadow aspects. That's why they are shadows or subconscious aspects in the first place. So what do we do when we have resistance to something? We release resistance to that specific thing. But by obsessively positively focusing and trying to ignore it and divert our attention from our shadow, we only resist it further. Because we are trying to avoid it, we are in essence focusing on it and sending it energy without even being aware that we are doing so. A perfect example of this is Jerry Hicks. Jerry Hicks, who I happen to love, is best known for facilitating the teachings of Abraham. His wife Esther is the one who channels Abraham. Now he ended up coming down with cancer which created an immense wave and immense rocks within the Abraham community. Why? Because here's a guy who's selling the idea that positive focus makes it so you cannot be a match to illness, and he himself gets cancer. Now, cancer, we have to understand, is always the illness of unfinished business. If you take a look at his past, growing up extremely poor, and also experiencing his far-reaching ideas being discouraged again and again. That created a trauma imprint within his being, which did mirror in his reality. But in accordance with Abraham's teachings, every single time that shadow did rear its ugly head, what he did was try to focus on something else, try to avoid that negative emotion by focusing on something else positive. And so that particular vibration had no other option but to manifest bigger and to magnify further, until he ultimately died as a result of that cancer. This is not an uncommon story. The most common turn of events, when we repeatedly ignore or deny what is real for us, but that is unwanted by us, is that it manifests physically as an illness or another physical condition that we cannot ignore. We don't only deny and suppress unacceptable bad things into our subconscious mind. We also banish the unacceptable good things. Idolization is nothing more than the projection of the suppressed positive attributes within one person onto another person, so that they may admire the reflection instead of the source. But for the sake of this video, I'm mainly going to focus on the unwanted or negative aspects of ourselves that we have banished to the subconscious. When it comes to the suppressed aspects of our psyche, those unwanted things we don't want to admit to, the next step towards a more positive vibration isn't actually finding a positive thought that feels better. It's being aware. Awareness is the next logical step. Consider it shining a flashlight in the dark closet to see what's there for the very first time. Awareness in and of itself will feel like immense relief. It will cause you to feel authentic and grounded within yourself. We fear our shadow. This is why we resist it. By becoming aware of it, we come to understand it, and understanding is the number one way to diminish fear. Positive focus works. End of story. But there's one major caveat to this rule. There's one major exception. Positive focus works on everything, except for the things that you're trying to use positive focus to avoid. <laughs> Another way of saying this is positive focus works on everything except for when positive focus is used as a tool to enable your resistance. 
Many of us are excited to finally find the power of positive focus because it seems like a get-out-of-jail-free card. It seems like that magic pill which will help us to escape all of the unwanted and unsavory things we don't ever want to have in our lives again. And unfortunately, a great many teachers back up this idea by using the Law of Attraction or similar teachings like that to promote the idea that all it takes to live a happy and healthy life is positive focus. Consider this. If we are enthusiastic about positive focus because it feels like a get-out-of-jail-free card, it means that we have big things that we're trying to avoid. If we have big things we're trying to avoid, like it or not, and conscious or not, a large part of our consciousness is dedicated to past traumas. We're like emotional cripples who on one level know that we're really hurt and on another level don't want to admit to it. We'd rather believe that if we focus positively enough, we will miraculously be put back together again. The law of attraction, simply put, is a law of mirroring. It means that whatever vibrations are contained within your being are being matched exactly by like vibrations in your external reality. Like it or not, the shadows within you are points of attraction. Because they're part of your being, they're attracting like signals, like vibrations, and thus like experiences into your reality, whether you like it or not. These shadows must be integrated in order to cease being points of attraction. I often use the analogy of the radio dial when I'm talking about the law of attraction. What that means is if you get in your car in the morning and you turn your car dial to 98.2 FM, you receive the corresponding signal of 98.2 FM. What this means on a practical level is that when you turn your dial to the frequency of joy, you receive experiences on your external reality which will cause you to feel more joy. But this analogy only works if you see yourself as one dial. In reality, you're more like a switchboard that contains a multitude of different dials. And the signals that are all being received by these dials can add up to one collective frequency that you call by your name. But you have a different dial relative to every single subject in your life. My dial relative to relationships could be set on despair, and so I receive relationships that cause me to despair, while simultaneously my career dial could be set to elation, so I receive career opportunities that make me feel elated, and I love my job. If you improve the frequency of the signal that's being received by just one of these dials, the overall vibration of yourself increases. But to say that by turning one dial in an improved direction improves all dials in the same direction is inaccurate. Regardless of how much you positively focus on your career or on your body or on your friends, you could still have a really terrible vibration about romantic relationships. And then your romantic relationships will continue to be uncomfortable and unpleasant to you. And then you'll be convinced that positive focus doesn't work. I think what discourages people from shadow work the most is this idea that because focus creates, if you focus on shadow work, there will always be more shadow work to do. But yet again, this particular belief is inaccurate. If we acknowledge that a person is made of pure source energy and pure integrated consciousness when they come into this life, you could imagine that this pure consciousness is a light much like our sun. As a person develops through life and experiences traumas, they do not gain darkness. The light does not go away. Rather, their light is obscured. 
When you do shadow work, you will notice that it's as if you have wiped a dusty film off of a window. You do not need to work at creating light. More light simply streams into the room because you've removed what is obscuring the light. You could alternatively see your shadow aspects in your subconscious as anchors. If you were to turn in the direction of them, which is swimming down, and then hook yourself from that anchor, you wouldn't then need to swim up towards the surface in a frenzy. If you naturally watched things take course, the person would simply float to the surface of the water, because that's the most natural state for them to be in. This is what your vibration does when you do shadow work. Like a buoy, it naturally increases because the things that were decreasing it are integrated. They no longer weigh your vibration down. Saying that if you focus on shadow work, there will always be more shadow work to do is the same as saying that if you sit at your kitchen sink and you start to do dishes, there will always be more dishes to do. This is obviously not the case. There comes a time when the sink is completely clean. People who have dedicated some form of their spiritual practice to shadow work can tell you from experience that the more you do shadow work, the less there is to do, because more aspects of your unconscious mind have become integrated. But there is an exception to this rule. There's a reason why some people feel as if the truth is the exact opposite. It's because they've entered what I like to call a catharsis or a healing crisis. If you, in your childhood especially, were deemed as unacceptable, a great many parts of you have been delegated to the subconscious mind. You've rejected more of yourself than other people have. Because of that, your closet, I should say the skeletons in your closet, are breaking your closet open at the seams. So when you begin to do shadow work, it'll seem like you've opened Pandora's box. You'll get inundated by a flood, it's going to feel a bit like an emotional or an energetic flu. On an emotional level, it's going to feel the same way that you feel when you have an actual flu, like your head's hanging over the toilet and you just can't stop throwing up. It's easy and tempting to think that your life has gotten worse since you started shadow work, but this is a healing crisis. It's a purge. And ironically, this is the point that most people stop shadow work and turn back in the direction from where they came when it's actually the time that they are passing through the eye of the needle, and if they would keep going instead of turn back, they would integrate, if not attain an enlightenment experience. They would experience freedom and wholeness and peace for the very first time. Why is it important to turn around and face your fears? Because if you turn around and face your fears, they no longer hold power over you. You are no longer resisting the unwanted by running away from it. Instead, you're shifting into a state of allowing by accepting it, and by doing that, it cannot hurt you or haunt you anymore. Like a ghost, your shadow will follow and haunt you to the ends of the earth, begging for the light of consciousness to be focused towards it. And focus on your shadow does not create more shadow. Because shadow that is exposed to the light of consciousness ceases to be shadow. Have a good week. Thank you.